five nights with Smash Africa. Smash Africa. I got the one and only Maps Maponyani in the building. What's up, Maps? How What's you up? doing, What's bro? What's up? What's up? Oh, man, you know what? It's so good to be on your show. I can't believe I've never been on your show. You've never been on it, and I've had many a shows, bro. And you've had many a show. <laughs> Thank you this time for the invite. You know, you, yeah. I can't just walk into your house without an invite. Yeah. So I think this one's on you, dog. And also, I just got to say, man, um, considering what COVID has done, um, you kind of move with like a sense of grace and appreciation of people who have influenced many a people, including myself. Your style mm. has influenced me. Uh, and also how you approach your presentation and your brand, it has influenced me. Appreciate so, that. Thank so, you. so when, when uh, some people behind the scenes hit me up, it's like, yo, smash. You got to have maps on the show. It's like, about what? Golf? We don't talk about <laughs> sports. <laughs> it's like, no, something big. I was like, wait, can I talk about the things I like first? And then we'll talk about the other things. Yeah, yeah. So I, I feel like it's, it's the right time. And yeah, welcome to Five Nights, bro. Thank you very much, man. My first question for you, bro. Um, let's, talk about, let's talk about like your, your upbringing and your fashion style. Mm. And the reason why I'm saying upbringing, because like, you know, in most black households, your parents decide what you're going to wear. <clears throat> yeah. And some kids are fortunate enough to say at an early age, like, no, I don't like that. I like this. Yeah. How did you grow up and how did you go about picking your clothes, the clothes that you wore when you were a kid? So I'm actually so glad you asked about my upbringing because that's integral to my, my, my fashion sense. I grew up really close to my mother uh-huh. and also kind of admiring my grandfather. Yes. So my mother is the most elegant, stylish woman you'll ever encounter. She always has been, always will be. Yeah. And she's just absolutely beautiful in whatever she rocks. And I remember growing up and we would go shopping together. Um, or she would, she would take me. You know, as a kid, you dragged along. Yes. Like, I say shopping yes. together like it was a fun thing. Yeah. I was taken shopping. Yeah. Uh, and then she'd come back and then she would, you know, do a little fashion show for me, try on different oh, outfits. Oh, that's so dope. And then I'd say, oh, mom, that, that looks nice. And she'd say, okay, yeah, it looks nice, but it doesn't go with this because this classes with this and this won't go with this. And then you, I started getting the sense more and more and more. And then, shame, she, 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 she kind of hated it because she used to obviously pick out all my clothes. You're given what you're given. Yes. But because of all of that interaction and me starting to take an interest in clothing through my mother, um, I would start then picking my own clothes. And then she'd uh-huh. say, um, I think you should wear this. And I'd be like, oh, you know, mom, I really don't like the, the shape of it. And, and I, I think it just, it's going to clash with my shoes. It's not going to go with enough yeah, things at yeah, home. Yeah. I wasn't four years old. Um, I was like... <laughs> I maybe started doing it like seven, eight, like started to like comment on what I want to, yes. you know, and, and, and it stemmed for that. But my grandfather, you know, my, my grandfather was that classic dandy. You know, hey, yeah. you know, Sophia Town swag, Dots. Sunday best all the and, time. And you know, there's a shirt, there's always a shirt somehow. And yeah. whatever shirt, like it needs to speak to the belt. Exactly. And the, the shoes. The shoes and the belt. Yeah. And the, exactly. With the with, with the blazer. It's also like a little bit slightly baggy, but tailored at the same time. Yes. yes. And then the walk and everything with the hat. Yes. All of that, man. I, I always felt like I can't wait until the day I can wear a suit. Because all the stuff I was getting was those casual clothes. And then I got into school uniform. And I was like, oh, damn, that's one step closer. That feels like. Yes. It, yes. It should, if me in school uniform, I promise you, I was always pristine. Because I, can I imagine always wanted that, to make bro. sure like I was. I was because my, my grandfather was always pristine, clean, everything polished. My mother always emphasized polished shoes. My dad was the same. And so I would wake up in the morning 
early was a routine, polish my shoes. On a Sunday, I'd like go through all my clothes, polish my shoes. The one rule is that we were never allowed to come back, my, my brother and I, we were never allowed to come back home with uh, a loose button or a button off. Mm-hmm. So we actually always went to school with a sewing kit, like a little small you sewing lie, kit. For real? Because we were, I, I was a rough kid and I'd play around and you know, you got your homies all yeah. grab you by the blaze yeah. and then all rip open. Yeah. But you know you're going to get a, a, like a beat down if you came back or you know, a mess having, uh, I don't know, like messed up your buttons or whatever. So we got taught to sew early on to make sure that we have no excuses. And that's the kind of pride that was instilled in us. So for me, it's always been about the detail and every little bit that comes together to to create something that's beautiful, that makes you feel good. You know, I, I also believe that style is taste. Mm. And from what you just told me, you got your taste from your moms and your grandfather, Absolutely. bro. Absolutely. So you you got to shout them out like that. And, and I don't know, like, you know, when we, when we hang out and when we do fashion sense and I've got like fashion designers coming in and they are talking about their fashion sense, it's oftentimes led by the parents at home. Shout out to my mother and grandfather. <laughs> Oh, you got that? Now I got it. I got it for real. <laughs> there we go. That's a, that's He's got a hold on his phone. That's it in HD, Doug. That's HD. <laughs> Mavs, Mavs came. Mavs came ready. He came prepared, man. He came prepared. All right. Now we fast forward. We fast forward to um, your breakout. And when I say your breakout, your six pack. You're not dressed in much. <laughs> <laughs> your, your six pack is what gets everybody talking It's like who's this kid What is he all about yeah. And I, I, I do not know Like, well, Maybe you let me know When you were in high school Were you thinking of dabbling into model Dabbling into doing editorial work In terms of um, the modeling aspect of it And even collaborating with big brands Or was it just by chance it was all by chance, man. I'm, I'm not even going to lie to you. I, I finished matric and, uh, yeah, finished my matric finals. Uh, there were financial issues at home. Mm. And parents basically sat me down and said, listen, this and this has happened. Uh, we're going to struggle a little bit with paying your, your school fees. So you might take a while to get your report. Mm. But what we definitely won't be able to do is send you to varsity next year. Mm. And... Uh, you know, we're sorry about that, but we hope what we've done for you will be enough for you to make a plan for yourself. Uh, but this is like the end of the road of what we can do. And I was, I had to take a forced gap year. Oh man! And um, and I thought of the things I might want to do, and I loved people, loved speaking, loved television, loved uh, fashion, loved sport, loved um, also things like tech and everything. And anyway, I combined all those things and. You know, thought of what I could pop into, and then I I got a call very soon after that from my school sports teacher, yeah, saying Super Sports looking for a schoolboy rugby show presenter. Yeah, um, I I, I recommended you because you know they're looking for someone who might be confident in front of screen. Yes, knows their rugby and you know has that experience in that rugby space or whatever it might be, and went for an audition the next day and got the job. And it was crazy. That was the start of it. Started doing a schoolboy rugby show, presenting, then field reporting, then commentating. Then I went to SA Fashion Week because I was really interested in um, in fashion. I went to the SA Fashion Week offices and I knocked on the director, Lucilla Poison's door. I'm like, listen, I'm really interested and in And she's this still space. there, bro. She's still there. She's still there. And I was like, please, can I be your PA? Please, I'll do anything you need. 
please, I just want to be your PA. She's this like, is a, uh, take off your shirt. Let's see if you know. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. no. <laughs> she was like, I don't, I don't hire men. It's just not what I, I do. I don't hire men. Oh, also, you're like fresh out of school. You don't really know what you're doing. I'm like, trust me, just ask me to do anything. I'll get it done. And she said, yes. And that was the start of a beautiful journey for a few seasons. Worked my way up the ranks in, 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 in that field. Um, on the other side, I was trying to make extra money on top of that. I was working like a, a side job on, remember Akajo? Like yeah. Like a side job on yeah. Akajo. Man, the Platinum Group is where no, I used dog. to work. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like a lot of us come from the Platinum Group, man. And and I was, um, yeah, I was then asked to, well, no, I wasn't asked. A friend of mine was like, yo, man, you know, you maybe you should, if you want to make extra cash, my, I've, I've been doing this for a little bit but like you're okay to look at you want to try modeling as yeah. well and I was like I'm not really sure about that and and I just did it anyway because I was like extra cash yeah mm, yeah for mm, sure mm, mm. and that was the beginning man and, and the rest is history it's just been an amazing journey and so much has happened since because after that was then GQ um, editorials yep. and then GQ best dressed man and then GQ covers and then um, you know, uh, Cosmo this and Cosmo that. We're going to, you know, one yeah, thing yeah, for Cosmo. Yeah. Nah, nah. And, and just like Those who things are know. happening. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yo, it's so crazy that you had the confidence and the self-belief that you can do it. And I don't know if it's struggle that actually creates that self-belief. I think so. You yeah. know, uh, when you like know like, oh, Everything, all the odds are against me right now. And the only thing I have is my voice, my confidence, and let's see how far it takes me. Yeah. You know? But it's also that thing of like, I don't have room for plan B. Plan A has to work. Right? So I'm going to put in whatever I can to make plan A work. And you know, when it came to like doing that audition, for example, I... I remember watching video after video after video, trying to think, okay, cool, this is how they do it. I was practicing in front of the mirror and I was thinking of all the possible questions, all the curveballs there might be, yeah. and I just wanted to be prepared. Yeah. And I just rocked up there and whatever they threw at me, I was, I was ready. And they're like, you got the job. That's so beautiful, man. And I hope uh, to you listening right now, and you, you were budding actor, model, presenter, radio DJ, and you're still in high school. You still got a long way to go. The self-belief and the preparation Absolutely. goes a long way. In fact, it beats those who are talented. 100%. Because those who are talented choke sometimes mm. when mm. it's time for them to actually put on a show. Absolutely. And then you, you're so right about that preparation because the opportunities will come. You can create the opportunities for yourself as well. But when they come, you can't not hit the, hit the, hit the mark, hit the spot. Like yeah. You have to, when you're given the opportunity, take it with both hands because it can come and go and go to the next person and it'll be a while till you get the next one. And that's why preparation is always so, so important. I got to talk about cheerleaders. We all have cheerleaders. Yeah. There are people who believe in us more than we believe in ourselves. Absolutely, yeah. Who's that for you? That would probably be my brother. Yeah. My favorite person in the whole world. My yeah. older brother, Katleho. Oh, man. How's, um, how's the fam, man? Uh, so beautiful, that's man. so beautiful. Everyone's happy. Everyone's healthy. And that's what I'm grateful for, man. After the last two years we've all been through. Yeah. Everyone's healthy. Shout out to Cat, man. Cat has yeah, always man. been my cheerleader, man. Yeah. Like, even, even like, he's the even best like human, yeah, man. like, he's like, yo, bro, you got this. Yeah. I know it's tough right now, but you got, I was like, man, why do you believe in me? <laughs> <laughs> Stop that thing. And, and it's a genuine thing. It's sincere, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and, and he genuinely does. And now he's a dad, like you are. Mm -hmm. And he's just, it's the most beautiful thing to, to see. So it's a blessing. Got an man. incredible niece and everything. Yeah. But that, that, that's, that's that. So the reason why I asked that question is like, who's your cheerleader? It also, speaks to 
what encourages people to believe in themselves. Mm. So once you have, uh, like, you know, in 2010, when Philip was here, we blew the Vovuzela. Mm, mm. And you knew the atmosphere was right. And, and South Africans came together, whether we we're going to go far or not go far in, in the tournament itself. But there was a sense of like, yo, we are going somewhere. And whatever, whatever place, we are still going to support you. Yeah. And I feel like during this time, what COVID-19 has taught most of us is if we do not appreciate one another and support one another, we, we might find ourselves in a, in a deeper and darker place. Now we're talking about MAPS in the big spotlight. MAPS is getting hit up left, right and center for jobs. And what most people don't know, <laughs> and I know this, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. what most it. people don't know is that in this industry, um, so you, you either have management or you don't have management. So you either got to do your, uh, you got a team or you do everything by yourself. Mm. Maps, on the, on the other hand, was the dude who was like, yo, man, I'm quick on my feet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not making enough to make um, number one to hire someone to be on my team yeah but I gotta respond to inquiries booking inquiries mm. what you got mm. care to tell the listener um, what I'm referring to and how you actually played that role well bro do you know what people people will always try and take advantage you know and and for me me being a person who who is always like very understanding and and, and sees all the sides, sorry, sees all the sides to it, and can easily be swayed here and there. I I used to struggle so much when 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 clients would inquire about stuff, and then they'd say, "We want you for X, and we can only pay you this amount of money." And I'm like, "Yo, I don't know if I can I can do that." And then I get a whole story, and I'm like. Ugh. Fine, fine. I guess I can. I guess I. I guess I can do it because you're thinking of saving face and everything. I mean, yeah. it's like a couple of years into the industry. Yeah. And then I was just like, you know what? I can't afford to bring someone on right now. But seriously, I just, I, I just really need to do something about this. I need people to be able to have someone to talk to about money mm-hmm. that isn't me. Yes. So I was like, the best solution is. I have to obviously make sure you you know as the as the artist or whatever you yeah. always have to make sure that you're the good guy. Yeah. Right? And other people have the, the conversation for you because you can be swayed in different ways mm-hmm. and it's not a good look. And they can entice you in many ways. In many ways. Yeah. But at the end of the day it's business yeah. and you need to be able to be strong on that and you want to be able to just say please talk to this person, mm-hmm. send an email to this person. And so came about Adele. Adele was this wonderful PA of mine who was just absolutely just on it, did all my bookings. She was amazing. She was my manager and, and, and PA and everything. And she was just on top of everything for me. And all the all, all, all the inquiries would go to her. Yeah. And Adele was oh, Adele was fierce. On the Adele money. wouldn't budge. Adele said, this is the budget. And then if people said, no, we can only go into this, Adele would send you a list of all the people who would do it for that money. But unfortunately, you know, my, my, my artist will not or my talent will not. And it was just, Adele was strict and people started respecting Adele. They want to have a conversation with her. And that was always a bit tricky. Anyway, for people who haven't figured it out yet, Adele didn't exist. <laughs> I was Adele on the other side, speaking for myself, but just being like, I can't, you know. And then I'd get calls like, yo, Adele's not budging. Please, can we speak about this? I just, there's nothing we can do. And I'm like, listen, Adele's the boss. Nothing I can do. Please send her a mail. Uh-huh. Um, they're like, oh, she's not answering our calls. She's out the country right now. She doesn't do it. But you just email her. She's good at emails. There are times when like, like, we have to talk to you. I'd get a friend. Be like, listen, this is the rundown. This yeah, is the script. Yeah. You're Adele. 
go like this is what you need to tell them and oh, man. and it was it was great it, it, it did a lot for for brand building in that sense you mm. know because people need to know not to take advantage and how serious you are and having that a part of my team yeah was something i needed to be um yeah think cooking my feet about and also you know what i gotta commend you on keeping adele's identity a secret <laughs> up until adele Died, I guess. May her soul rest in peace. Ah, man, absolutely, man. Rest Um, in peace. um, Because a lot of people are, they have the ability to do that. Yeah. To actually be the artist and also be the management, but you don't want the other people on the other hand, on the on the other side rather, to know that nah, bruh, it's the same guy. Mm. You know what I mean? Because business is business, and our jobs are fun, right? Absolutely. We're like always in a good mood. Absolutely. Give me the script. I'll kill it. It's going to be good, you know? So I, I needed you to share that story. Now, let's talk about your passions, bro. Yeah. Uh, you're passionate about a few things. I'm passionate about a lot of things, man. And how, how have you used your passions to make a little bit income? Another stream of income, if you like. I mean, it depends on what they are. Honestly, a lot of my passions haven't been income-focused, apart from what I like the things I do for a living. I yes, mean, yes. those passions are just you, the stuff we get to do. We're lucky we get to do it, and we get paid for it, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, from being able to to talk and and and, and host things around the world and, and and locally, and be able to travel and get paid to do that and everything, the passions that really matter the most to me are the ones that create social change and yeah. social income and make a difference in communities and bring awareness to important subjects mm-hmm. um, important matters that, that, that deserve awareness but don't have a voice that's what really gets me going and you know when, when there's income that comes from that it's it's, it's, it's mind-blowing, but the income I want to come from that is always for communities that those things are focused towards yeah. so my kind of biggest passions especially from a social perspective because Honestly, for all the stuff that I get to do, I feel so privileged, so fortunate that it feels like it's not really worth anything and it has very little meaning unless you're being able to give other people opportunity, being able to put important subjects in the in, in the spotlight yep. that need to be spoken about. Or you actually are doing something tangible to change People's community, lives. Community, yeah. Com- yeah, people's lives create real tangible social change is something that, that I'm all about. And mm-hmm. so I'm passionate about youth, education. Um, I'm, I'm on a couple boards in, in that space, uh, Nali Bali being one of them. Mm-hmm which is a literacy foundation, which is incredible. We we develop literacy material and distribute it all around the country, especially so in man. in, um, um, in un- underprivileged areas, mm-hmm. in, in, in rural areas. And it's all about the mission to improve the literacy rate amongst children in South Africa. Yeah. I don't know if you know the stats, but something ridiculous like 74% of kids in South Africa by the... Um, sorry, by grade four, can't read or write. I would believe that. And it is wild. 74%. I would believe that. So you need to focus on that first and foremost to have any hope of a change in the future, you know, to be able to really change things here. And and I think books, literature um, is a big foundation Absolutely. of children's development. You don't wait till a child is two years old to teach them about books. 100%. You, you introduce that as early, early as, as you, possible. As man. you introduce food. Yeah. You know what I mean? And to be fair, it's a whole lot more intricate than that. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the majority of that, if not pretty much all of it, rests within the, um, the black community, mm. you know, the black majority that we are. And that's that's a complex thing because it's things like, yo, I've just 
finished a domestic working shift for hours oh, and I, I need to come worked, home and yeah. make you some food, yeah. I'm not going to have time to read to you. Yeah. I'm exhausted. I, I yeah. like it's, We have so many things stacked up against us in that regard, but we need to be able to create some sort of social change and provide the materials mm. because that's also a luxury. Going mm. to buy uh, children's books. books for kids to tell them yeah. stories. So we've thought of different ways to be able to do that. So that's a big passion of mine to be able to focus on um, kids in education and get to do a lot of great work in that regard with UNICEF as well. Um, and then as well as the environment. The environment's a huge yes. thing for me. I mean, bro, I, we got to leave it better than we found it here because oh we found it in a state. Absolutely. And it's man. getting worse and, and worse. Worse and worse and worse and worse. And, and you know, it's, it's so important to me to be able to look after the environment and uh, and wildlife and biodiversity as a whole. And one of the things that people don't know about me is I've been passionate about all this for a long time and I've been on the board of WWF uh, with the World Wildlife Fund for about six years now. Wow. And been the youngest board member for those six years by far. Um, almost by about 20 years, the next person. Listen to that. And An entire generation, bro. Absolutely. And it's been so inspiring being on the board of people like um, Tebe Kalifeng, um, Cheryl Carolis was on the oh, board. Uh, just, just so many amazing people. Like I could, I could go on forever. But to be able to do real, real work and make those massive decisions with something, with an organization as big as WWF, to actually change, the, uh, help, you know, change mindsets around um, conservation, around the environment, around mm -hmm. wildlife and everything is so important around water usage. Water is a huge thing. Bro. I mean, right now, I don't know if you saw, but there's I was, a water but crisis was, in South Africa, by the way. Absolutely. Like what, there's, there's, people, people from Limpopo, listen to the shows like, yo, bro, there's no water. People from KZN, bro, there's no water. Every week, you, every, every week. week. And we take that for, for, for granted until we don't have water. But there's still so many communities that don't have access to clean, drinking, fresh drinking water. Oh, man. And it's so wild. And, and I was saying right now, I don't know if you saw, but I had the opportunity to go to Iceland. Yeah. And that was on a big mission to be able to go and really highlight the plight of of the water situation or the, the, the water scarcity crisis that we have in our country um, through the Challengers Club. You know, it, 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 it's something that is so important together with WWF where we were like, we need to go and highlight how big this issue is. I've had to go all the way across the world. Listen to that. To find the, the, the cleanest water untouched by man, right? To kind of show that unfortunately we're in this situation in South Africa and in many countries on the continent where people are struggling to just take a few steps to go get fresh water. They have yeah. to go far. far they go to the river and it's In still terrible bro. water. Exactly. And and now I've had to go to the other side of the world to to go and get fresh water. And it's that whole thing of like, this is where we have the, you know, the, the freshest water untouched by man. And now we you know we've got we've got so much chlorine, uh, calcium and and all the chemicals and fluoride that are bad that for your body. In our waters, exactly. And it's just like that kind of access is something that everyone in Iceland gets. You get to Iceland, I promise you, you drink the water there and you think you're in heaven. Coming through their taps, it all comes from their glaciers, from their natural environment. It, it's incredible. And you just wish that that could be the case here. And that whole project there was around, you know, really, really trying to raise awareness around that and try and raise money for, um, <clears throat> for water projects mm. that 
WWF are, are championing and obviously through the Challengers Club uh, it's really really dope people need to check it out yeah. and, and they can see it on challengersclub.co.za to see the kind of stories as, 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 as you know the kind of people who've associated with it it's Mavericks doing great things in their space and, and, and doing things that will change society and from, from wonderful entrepreneurs who are coming up with education schemes through uh, through tech and being able to help people get access to, to, to better education, mm-hmm. all sorts of things. And this is just a way of being able to have more and more meaning with the work that we get to do and the places we get to go to. I got to go to Antarctica two years ago yeah. to go look at the situation there as well and the, the, how climate change is affecting our, our, our world and how you can literally see more and more of the glaciers just breaking apart and drifting into the ocean. There was one a few years ago, the size of an entire state, and I don't know if it was the size of Delaware that they said oh, it was man. massive, something like it measured like a, a span of um, 300 kilometers. Listen that doesn't that. sound real, but th- this iceberg was and 300 it's, kilometers it's melting in the ocean, and you just that kind of impact is, is massive, and that's what raises the water levels as well. And it's just been amazing, but. Honestly, if we don't look after our, our, our water, we are going to be in trouble very, very quickly. Our oceans are full of microplastics from pollution, from people just throwing their plastic all over the place. We now hardly, I think it's something like 95% of the ocean now has microplastics in it. The water in the ocean has microplastics in it, which means the fish that we eat, we, we won't even, it's probably not going to happen again unless so you do something fish, about it now. It all has microplastics. The, 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 fish, fish. the fish that Kaya is going to eat that's my daughter is going to be plastic so there won't be any fish yeah to it's, eat it's basically be, it's like filled with plastic yeah bro how do we break this down to like and because remember the dude kokas mm. is not the big decision maker yeah but they live a certain way mm. you know small steps like taking care of the environment not littering because you are playing your part how do you br- how do you bring that back home here in Africa where people actually get to see because when you say like I went to Iceland I went to Antarctica I did this and I saw this right so you are someone who is speaking on what is happening so you are an important part in making people aware Mm. how do we bring it home to a point where it actually they see Mm. the value of work that you are doing it's so difficult because it's all mindset you know Mm. I was I was chatting about this Many years ago, actually, to my grandparents, um, who unfortunately have, have all passed away now. And one of the things one of them had said was around how, you know, plastic's going to be a, an, in, an interesting one to try and change. Because if you look at this ganga mm. in the township, right, there's not even, but there's, there's, there's litter everywhere, right? Mm. And there's mm. plastics everywhere. And you know what? Apparently, that stemmed from the days when we started being able to go to the malls during apartheid and Mm. and everything. We could start buying things when we had more access as black people. What people would do, they would would throw the plastic guitar checkers or whatever. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's why we call them the checkers as well. Mm -hmm. Or or, or certain shops near their house. Because you know, around a black person's home, it will always be clean. Mm -hmm. Always be clean. Mm -hmm. But like over the wall or something or near the house or in the community to show this is what they can afford mm. and then it started becoming this thing where like this street that a lot of people can afford this and and then it's, it started becoming this messy thing which was always an antithesis to how we are as as people who we, we were so key on our appearance on 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 
our hygiene and everything being clean around us, it's one of the strangest things how we fail to, as a whole, take care of our, our surroundings and our environment. And I think when you start to change that kind of a mindset, you'll start to see some kind of impact. But sadly, something big has to happen that chokes, mm. you know, be it be it a smell, mm. be it... It must um, be uncomfortable first. It must be uncomfortable first before you actually, before people start to actually action it. And that's a sad bit, you know, and, and it, it's going to have to get to that point because right now there isn't that agency to want to just go naturally go do something before being prompted. That proaction to go and want to change something in your community before being prompted. And it needs to get to a point where it's a habit, where it's a, it's a lifestyle. And, you know, maybe that's something that actually needs to be put into law. I look at something like Rwanda. Oh my gosh. It's so Rwanda clean. is the cleanest place it's you'll so ever clean. go to. Yeah. I've been to Japan, which I thought was the cleanest place I've ever been to. I mean, Japan is spotless. But Rwanda, it's unreasonably spotless because there is, you know, you've got all those rural spaces which are just sand and everything. But Ahona next, there is no speck of any dirt anywhere because it's also illegal to litter. You mm. litter, you go to jail. And it's serious and it's strict. But now, People just don't do it. Now it's become a habit. It took 16 years to instill, but maybe that's what you need to do. You need to go through those drastic measures because also people don't know what's good for themselves as well. And perhaps that's what you need to actually ingrain in people in society and have a harder hand on that kind of law to ensure that people actually take care of themselves. But it needs to be done seriously. Man, the work that you're doing is really amazing, bro. And also the, the passion that you're speaking about it is something that... I, I, for one, I'm inspired. Like, I hate littering. Mm. And I, I see people. You know, I call out people every time they throw, yeah. <laughs> they throw anything. And it's like, one day you're going to get punched. You don't know that, man. I'm like, <laughs> yo, I know that plastic does not belong there. Do you know what I Absolutely. mean? Absolutely. I actually have a funny story about that because I actually was four years old. Um, <laughs> I, I, remember, I, went, I remember I went on a, on a, on a trip to Mahopala um, Wombat. Yeah. used to call it Wombat. Aventura. Yeah. With my parents and and we stopped at a, at a petrol station and this man, as we were walking by, threw out um, boxia yeah, cigarette box. He threw out a cigarette box, yeah. and just threw it out his window. And I went to that, picked it up, and threw it back in his window. And I said, "Sir, I think you dropped this." And he was so embarrassed. Yeah. My mom was saying how embarrassed he was, and because he was like, "Oh, what did you it's do?" I was kitten. like, "No, but he was." He was littering, mom. You said we must almost always pick up litter or help someone if they've dropped something. And I've never stopped being that kid. I've always been that person. Right. Where in any case, adults, as as an adult, adults have literally wanted to fight because I've just been like, listen, how can you just do that? And I'll pick it up and I'll give it back to them. And they'll say, I went up, you know, F yeah, or whatever yeah, it might yeah, be. Yeah. And, 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 and I'm just like, it, it's, it's just re- reprehensible how we don't think about the kind of damage we're doing um, and, and, and how much disrespect we have for the spaces that we, that we inhabit. And I think it's something that everyone should have as a habitual trait that they just never do something like that. It, it needs to be second nature, bro. Absolutely. It and it's sad that it's not, man. It's, it's, it's not. But it's, it's dudes like you doing the work, man, behind the scenes. But I, just one, I appreciate that. One, one more thing about that. So we were speaking about how it is in Rwanda, about it being law. In Japan, right? Why they don't litter there is that from school, the kids, you have your school day and then after school when the last bell goes, the entire class 
brings out the brooms or whatever and they all have to clean, clean the classroom and it's just a habitual thing and it's a cultural thing so you need to make that thing a culture like I don't know if you remember the World Cup in uh, the last World Cup what was it 2018 yeah in Russia in, in Russia yeah do you remember the Japanese fans after every game cleaning up the stadium? Whatever yeah. game they were in, they would clean up the stadium. And it's from that. You know, if you go to Japan, um, you'll s- there's millions of people, as you can imagine. Millions of people walking around. And you'll struggle to see bins, but you won't see rubbish around. And that's because with that whole culture of making sure they always clean up after themselves, they'll even have a little bit of a plastic that they keep in their bags so that they keep the things on them until they get home or get to a bin and throw it in I there. I really love that. You know, I have I have this um, on my emails. Leave it better than you found it. Yeah. And it's exactly that. Yeah. If you found a place dirty, we're not saying it's on you to clean it up. But if you're using it, you, you got to take care of it. Yeah. And it's the same way we need to start looking at ourselves in the mirror. We need to start seeing ourselves as these beautiful people while taking care of people. And if you don't put in work, you you are not going to look like you put in work. Absolutely. You know, so, so bro, thank you so much, man, for coming through and, 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 and spreading the light and sharing the word on the importance of taking care of our environment. Thank you so much for being an inspiration through style, through passions, through making a difference and uplifting those uh, communities that are just not privileged. Like we are, you know, sometimes I, I look at ourselves here in Joburg, bro, like, it's big. And all you got to do is just go to the hood. Yeah. And then you realize, okay, I'm, I'm super privileged. And uh, yeah, man, I look forward to what you're going to do next. Yeah. And um, hopefully we make movies, though. <laughs> <laughs> Five Nights with Smash Africa. Smash.